To bra or not to bra, exploring a journey of life's unpredictable twists and turns, how to claim your personal power from within and lead a fun, fulfilled, soul-driven life, one epic, hilarious, insightful coffee chat at a time. Let's get real, let's get raw. This is your host, M, on Bra or Not to Bra. All right, let's get this thing started. Okay, welcome back, you guys. We are here on to bra or not to bra, where we move beyond the traditional ways that we typically think about health and personal growth, and we get super curious about how freaking good life can be when you start embodying the fullness of who you are mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and of course, having fun while doing it. We're looking into living your most expansive life. Thank you guys for being here. I love you. If it's your first time, what's up? I'm Emily. I'm your host. I am a certified health and mental wellness coach with a passion for helping women like you embody their most powerful, soulful, aligned, confident, badassiest version of themselves. So today, you guys, we are looking at sugar, all about sugar, sugar cravings, why the heck we have sugar cravings in the first place. Like, Everyone talks about sugar. Everyone says, stay away from it. It's bad for you. If you have it, you'll crave it more. But they don't really talk about the why or the how it works, especially in terms of why are we actually craving these foods? Like what's happening on a physiological level? So we look at that, looking at the polarity of not just foods, but activities in our daily lives and how that impacts our cravings. We look at the blood sugar roller coaster, what's happening inside your body that's having you feel out of control. Like there's literally nothing you can do about it. You're going to crave sugar and you don't feel like you can stop. I mean, how many of you have been there? I've been there. I can't even tell you how addicted to sugar I was. It was it was this vicious cycle and I truly felt trapped. I didn't know how to get out of it, even though I knew that it wasn't technically good for me. If you know, you know. But this isn't about shame or judgment. It's about being informed about why your body reacts and responds the way it does, both physically and emotionally. And how that feeling of, I can't stop, that that's actually happening because our bodies are working correctly. We just got to point ourselves in another direction. So I am really pumped to dive into this with you guys. I hope you like it. And before we dive right in, one announcement to make, the Embody Group Coaching Program, the next cohort starts the beginning of June. If you've been wanting to give your health a promotion from part-time to full-time, but nothing seems to stick, If you're sick and tired of looking in the mirror and not liking what you see, wondering how the hell you got to this point, if you're waking up every morning feeling overwhelmed and stressed for the day ahead, frustrated because you so badly want to change and yet can't seem to do it, know that you can. And this is exactly why I created the Embody group coaching program, which is a 12-week intimate group coaching experience specifically designed to help you release weight, gain confidence, and step into the best headspace of your life. It's time to break that sugar addiction and not deprive yourself, but let's raise the pleasure in every area of your life. No more substituting, no more willpower, 
None of that. Like, let's start creating the life that you want to live, not that someone else laid out for you and you hope you can stick to whatever program that is long enough to get the results to then just have to stick to whatever that program is in order to keep the results. Whew, that was a mouthful. I'm getting super passionate, if you can't tell. All right, so the next cohort is starting the first week in June. There are still spots left. If you enroll in it within the next two weeks, it's May 10th when this episode gets dropped, you will get a free one-on-one deep dive session with me before the official group program starts in the beginning of June. I'm pumped. If you're interested, link to apply is in the show notes. Let's start living your best life, looking in the mirror and loving what you see. Love you all. Let's get into the episode. Let's do it. Today, we are looking at sugar. This is all about wondering why you crave sugar at certain times, figuring out why it's so challenging and why you feel like you're done reinventing the wheel. Like you want someone to tell you what works and what doesn't. And there's so many articles, it's just confusing. So today gets to be a little information session so you can understand like what sugar is actually doing to your body when everyone talks about it. So we're getting behind the why today. Why do you actually crave sugar and why is it so hard to not crave sugar all the time? All right. So I've found that there's three main challenges to kicking sugar to the curb. So challenge number one, why you have cravings, why those cravings feel out of control, what to do about it. So the first challenge is wondering why the heck you have sugar cravings in the first place. Why those cravings feel out of control and not knowing what to do about it. So let's solve that mystery right now. Let's talk about why sugar becomes a craving for us in the first place. Traditional nutritionists think of food in terms of calories and grams of fat. Like it's very black and white. But as a health coach, that's only one way that I like to look at food. So what we're looking into here is what's called the polarity of food. The concept of polarity is pretty simple. It's based on the principle that everything has two polarities or extremes. For example, hot and colds are extremes of the temperature pole. So in it's the same way with every apparent opposite, hard and soft, good and bad, noisy and quiet, light and dark, love and fear. When you find one thing, you'll also find the potential for its opposite. So to look at the world through the lens of polarity is to look at it in pairs. Dark and light, night and day, yin and yang, male and female. Okay, great. So how does this concept apply to food? Because if you know me, you know that I'm very, I'm not for the black and white thinking. But just because there is polarity in life doesn't mean that we have to go through life choosing one or the other. They come together. So first we want to consider that food is more than simply fuel. It has energetic qualities that are beyond the science and mechanics of calories, fat grams, and nutrient values. So for example, leafy greens, they grow upward, right? 
So they have a lifting energy. Whereas root vegetables, like a potato or squash, those grow deep into the ground. So they have what we're looking at here is a grounding energy. So when you're looking at it in this, in this way, this framework, we want to look at what the polarity of food really looks like for you. Where does the inherent energetic quality of different foods fall on the spectrum? And how might this polarity in your food, this difference in energy, how might this actually be creating your cravings? One extreme of expansive bliss. So these are foods that represent this energy and they're represented in alcohol, caffeine, sugar, dairy, and to some extent fruit. So basically like the feel good, right? And the energy of these foods makes you feel light, makes you feel relaxed and happy, blissful. But when you eat too many bliss foods, you start to feel spacey, maybe even a little forgetful. Then on the other extreme, these are what we like to call contracted or tensioned foods. So these foods are contracting versus expansive. So one side of the pole is expansive and the other side is contracted. Neither is good or bad. They're just two ends of the spectrum. So examples of contracted foods are salt, eggs, red meat. They're like the meat and bones. So they make you feel grounded, focused, sometimes aggressive. I mean, these foods, the key to know is that it has, it's not one for all. So getting curious about what different foods are like for you. This is just like a general framework that we're looking at. So that's all fine and good, right? But how do the two extremes of the polarity of food, this expansive bliss and the contracted tension, how does this relate to sugar cravings? You thought I forgot, but I didn't. So if life is a system of opposites, and your body is always trying to balance itself out because our bodies are smart. What do you think happens if you are having too many contracted foods like salt, meat, and eggs? What do you think your body might start craving to balance itself out? Well, it's going to crave the opposite of contracted foods. It's going to crave the sweet, expansive bliss foods. The classic example of this, which I'm very familiar with, is have you ever found yourself that if you are in a situation where you're having something salty like potato chips, then you crave something sweet after. And for me, I know it's been like a back and forth, like you're salty, then sweet, then you're like, oh, I need salty again. Oh shit, I need sweet again. And then it's just like, bye. So this is the challenge. If we have too many contracted foods, we'll crave the expansive. If we have too many expansive foods, we'll crave the contracted. Okay, so that's actually a good thing because our body is trying to create homeostasis. So our body is working. Yay. But what many people don't realize, and I didn't realize this myself either until a few years ago, is that we're oftentimes creating our own cravings. Okay, I'm going to say that again. We're oftentimes creating our own cravings. We don't know we're doing it, but we're doing it. On a nerdy level, that's kind of cool, right? Like just to know that information. 
So you can even look at activities in your life through this lens of polarity of expansive and contractive. There are things that happen in your life that are a little more contractive. They create more tension. And then there are things that are more expansive. They're creating more relaxation. Examples of contractive activities. So running, working too much, partying, staying up late, stress. And notice how all of these things are good in moderation. Like exercise, running is, is good for you. But it's when you're doing that extensively that the balance of this cute little seesaw starts to shift. So when you have too many contractive activities going on in your life, you're going to crave more expansive foods. Okay, so this is where it all ties in. You know when you drink a lot and then the next day you're like, oh my God, all I need to do is sleep and like eat all the greasy foods. That's because your body's trying to even it out again. You need relaxation. You're craving these expansive foods to even out the seesaw. If you don't allow yourself to relax, then you'll find yourself binging on wine, chocolate, bread, desserts, you name it, whatever. Whatever it is, your body is begging for a break, like sleep, reading, meditation, walking, taking a bath. Your, your body's like, I need to bring myself back to life again. So if you've been driving in awful traffic, if your toddler was a nightmare that day, or you had a really stressful day at work, Think about what you crave. For a lot of people, it's sweets or a bottle of wine, expansive foods. And then there's some of us who crave the expansive foods and then start going back and forth, even in one night. That craving is your body trying to balance itself out again. So when I'm working with clients and always a work in progress with myself to deconstruct our cravings, we're not just looking at the foods that you're eating, but also your lifestyle. And getting really curious without judgment of, okay, what factors in my lifestyle that have nothing to do with food, how, do, how does that impact my food cravings? Because it does, and our society looks at it as separate, and that's what has us feeling this shame and this guilt of like, why can't I just control what I'm eating? Why do I feel so out of control? It's not just about food. We gotta set our body up for success. Okay, I found this quote. Everything we do is driven by a desire to feel a certain way. What you buy, what you eat, what you say, who you choose to hang out with, the things you make, the people you give your love to, what you wear, what you listen to, cough, cough, to bra or not to bra, what you bring into your home, what you end, begin, and dream of, all go back to the desire to feel good. Hashtag pleasure. Right? So now let's go into the second challenge. Remember, there's three. The second challenge around kicking the sugar habit is that no one wants to do it because it feels so good to eat it, <laughs> right? All right, y'all, if you know me, you know that I love Lil Bucks. It's sprouted buckwheat that I put in 
everything. I'm always looking for something that's low sugar, high protein, high fiber, loaded with antioxidants that I can just throw into a bunch of things that I'm eating throughout the day. And this is it. You guys, seriously, I like stock up on it. I recommend it to all of my clients. It is the perfect game changer for adding crunch and getting in that plant-based protein without getting a crazy sugar high with traditional granolas. It's gluten-free, vegan, grain-free, paleo, organic, and best of all, it's woman-owned and run. Lil Bucks was a game changer for everything that I eat throughout the day. I put it on my oatmeal, in my smoothie bowls, on top of my smoothie bowls. I put it on toast with peanut butter and banana. And sometimes I'll just eat it straight out of a bowl like it's cereal. It is so freaking good. Please go try it. Your body and your taste buds will be happy that you did. And you can use my promo code EMILYGOLAN15 at lovelilbucks.com for 15% off your first order. All right, I think you guys understand my obsession. I hope you try it out too and it becomes a staple in your diet. Let's get back to the episode. So why does it feel so dang good? Like, let's, let's understand that instead of just fighting against it. So let's take a quick look at what's happening in the body when you eat sugar and why we experience that awesome sugar high. Because it is a high. Like it feels good for a little bit. So here's what's happening in your body. Products containing lots of sugar usually don't contain lots of fiber, fat, or protein. And here's a secret. The fiber, fat, and protein is what slows down sugar absorption. I'm going to say that again. Fiber, fat, and protein slow down sugar absorption. So when those nutrients aren't present, but the sugar is still there, your blood sugar shoots up really fast like to the top of a roller coaster. Now, at the top of this roller coaster, your brain is like, whoa, because your brain uses about 50% of your blood sugar at any given time. Just look at a toddler. You will notice. So any drastic rise or fall in your blood sugar levels causes your brain to kind of flip the F out. So when your blood sugar spikes up, your brain and your body are not happy. To your body, this is an emergency. Like back in the day, that did not exist. Cavemen did not have this abundance of sugar to just digest. And if they did, their body would respond as though it was an attack. And our body still responds that way. So what does your body do? Well, again, your body is smart. So what happens is your pancreas secretes the hormone insulin. And doing that, secreting the hormone insulin is what brings your blood sugar back down. Okay, so I like to look at it as the blood sugar roller coaster. Oof, when's the last time you rode a roller coaster? I truly don't. I think like 10 years, maybe. Wow. So here's the problem with this blood sugar roller coaster. We have spent a lifetime eating a lot of high sugar processed products. I mean, I grew up in the 90s. And to me, my lunch was not complete without some Dunkaroos or, oh my gosh, those little Debbie Cosmic Brownies, you know, the ones with the chocolate frosting and the wrinkle sprinkles on top, and they were so like dense and I hate this word, but moist. 
interesting. So I was eating all these things, as we did, because that's what was popular then. So what happens is insulin has gotten really good and really used to doing its job. Almost too well, because we've been eating it constantly, eating sugar constantly. So now when insulin is insulin is sent out, it doesn't just bring your blood sugar back down into balance. There's often too much insulin secreted and our blood sugar ends up dipping way down. And that's the blood sugar crash that you feel after the sugar high. Your body freaks out and that's that shaky, spacey, uncomfortable feeling that happens. Okay, so you've had a blood sugar crash. Now what? What does your body crave when you're down there? All right, so I think you can see my mouse. So we have simple carbs, turns into sugar, we have spike, then we go below and you're down there in the middle of that nasty crash and what are you gonna crave? More sugar. And what happens to our blood sugar when we eat sugar again? It goes up, 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 up to the top of the roller coaster. So now we're right back there. And so the up and down cycle continues. The blood sugar roller coaster keeps on going. If any of you have experienced that before, like you know it's, it's not fun, right? And this is one of the reasons we start eating sugar and we quite literally can't stop and why we crave it constantly. Like on a chemical level, obviously this is gonna happen to us. Our body is doing what it's supposed to do because your body is actually trying to find desperately a blood sugar balance. So the sugar craving is actually your body's way of saying that it needs something to restore this blood sugar balance. So the easiest and most convenient food to restore blood sugar balance when your blood sugar is low is sugar. So that's what your body craves. However, if you keep eating sugar, you will stay on that crazy craving roller coaster. And that roller coaster affects your mood, causes weight gain, and can lead to serious diseases like adult onset diabetes and more. And there's a little bit more to the story. So after the hormone insulin is sent out to take excess sugar out of the bloodstream, it has three places it can take that sugar. Your brain, your blood cells, or your muscles. Now if all those receptors are full because you've been eating a lot of sugar already, where does that excess sugar go? Yeah, straight to the hips. For me, it's more like inner thighs, but you get the point. This excess sugar has nowhere else to go and it gets stored as fat. All right, so here's yet another not so thrilling thing about this. So when your body is producing insulin to bring you down from the sugar high, it can't produce a hormone called glucagon. And glucagon is very important, especially if you're trying to release excess weight because it's the hormone that takes fat out of storage to be burned. 
So if you're eating a lot of sugar, not only are you probably storing some of it as fat, but you also can't release fat to be burned because the sugar blocks the glucagon production and fat burning potential. All right, that's a bummer. Here's something else I want you to consider. These days, many health conscious people know their blood sugar levels go up and down on a sugar induced high when you eat a lot of sugar. Like we've all been told this multiple times, but they often don't realize the emotional roller coaster ride that accompanies this. So we feel happy and energetic for a while, and then suddenly, unexplicably, we find ourselves arguing with our friend or spouse or beating ourselves up in our minds. Our moods are all over the place. I'm sure you guys have experienced something along these lines. So let's get to the third challenge. The third and final challenge with sugar that I experienced myself and that I noticed with clients is that when you're not happy in an area of your life, like your career, relationships, finances, workouts, sex life, family, where you live, winter weather, it's sometimes so much easier to reach for sugar than deal with what's really going on. And I totally get that. I gained the most weight when I was in Paris, when I was experiencing my the most severe OCD that I had experienced. I wasn't diagnosed at the time, and all my body wanted was pleasure. So it craved all the croissants, all the baguettes, all the goods that would create expansive bliss for me. But little did I know, I was feeding the roller coaster emotionally and physically. So a craving may seem like a pain in the ass, right? But what if cravings are a messenger to help you step into the best version of who you are? I'm going to say that again. What if cravings are a messenger to help you step into the best version of who you are? I mean, that would be pretty amazing, right? And the good news is that it's it really is true. So sharing from my personal experience again, having those sugar cravings, eating all those croissants, yes, it led to weight gain that I very much didn't want, but it was literally my body signaling to me like, and something's off. Like this is not right. Something's got to change. And because of that, it was a signal, it was a messenger to help me step into the best version of who I am. All right. How to get started. So let's look briefly at how to get started on kicking sugar without starving or giving up sweetness, even if you've never done it before. If you know me, you know that I eat chocolate all the time and that is something I'm not giving up slash I don't like giving up anything that I find pleasurable so that's not what we're gonna do here number one check your bevies okay beverages sounds crazy but sometimes sweet cravings are a sign of dehydration so pound a glass of water wake up and chug 
wait five minutes and then see if you still have the craving. Also, too much caffeine mimics a blood sugar crash. Nuts, right? So you're high for a bit, but then you come crashing down. And what do you crave? Sugar, of course. Okay, two. Satisfy your sweet tooth with a bunch of different things. So sweet veggies, fruit, spices, dark chocolate. It doesn't have to be all or nothing, but we want to have our tongue exposed to these sweet foods because what's happening is your tongue has sweet taste buds that are going to demand to be satisfied. So don't hold out on them. Don't fight against it. Add naturally sweet foods and spices to your diet like sweet potatoes, squash, carrots, beets, berries, figs, apples, cinnamon. I use cinnamon so much. These aren't like straight up what you would consider bad for you foods or even just like purely sugar, but they still taste sweet and good. So let's invite that in and prevent us from having these huge cravings so that when we want chocolate, we want chocolate. We don't want 10 bars of it. Okay, three, sleep. Super important. I know you've heard this a million times. For many of us, this is way easier said than done. But if you're constantly tired, the truth is that your body is going to look for energy. Our bodies are smart. If we're tired, we know something needs to give us energy because we don't have it. So usually your body's looking for this in the form of sugar or caffeine. Something we can do is power down, like start getting ready for bed 10 minutes earlier than usual. And then you can push it back a little bit. I actually love to get ready for bed and then watch TV for a little bit and then wind down after. I don't know. That's just my ritual. Everyone says, like, don't watch TV before bed. I'm sure it affects my sleep somehow, but that's what works for me. So these are not, like, black and white, you guys. You got to see what works for you. And when you get more sleep, you're going to notice that your cravings go way down. Okay. Four, check your protein. This is a fun, cool fact. So you want to watch how much protein and what kind of protein you're eating, especially animal protein. I know I don't eat animal protein, but I know about it, and I used to. Here's why we want to look at that, because eating too little animal protein can lead to massive sweet cravings, and eating too much animal protein can lead to sweet cravings. So the key here is to find just the right sweet spot for protein intake so that you feel satisfied and nourished and fueled. All right, five, sniff out low-fat and fat-free foods. Like, when I was little, we always used to get the low-fat Oreos. It's just like, if you're going to eat Oreos, eat Oreos. Also, that wasn't healthier for you. Because when food manufacturers take, manufacturers, wow, take the fat out of foods, what do they put in? They have to replace it with something. Well, they just... Put in a shit ton of sugar. Okay, six, move yourself. Movement is really another kind of food and fuel for your body. Your body craves movement. When you're moving your body, it releases stress. This makes you feel great, makes you look great, but when you don't get enough movement, the body starts to look for other ways to blow off steam. 
Sometimes that looks like binging on Snickers bars and ice cream and cereal. I like to talk about that as the rebellious inner child syndrome. We like to rebel, look for a way to blow off steam. That's what's happening. And we need a release somehow. And movement is an amazing way to do that. All right. Seventh and last one. Creating new post-meal rituals. So it's all about the habit change, right? If you're a dessert after your meal kind of person, me, one of the things you might love about that is the ritual of it. It's something to complete the meal. So what we want to look at here, and what I look at with all my clients, myself, anyone listening to this, want to look at what are other possibilities for post-meal rituals that you might love just as much or maybe even more. This is not about like finding a substitution that you kind of enjoy, but you'd rather do what you were doing before. No, that is not adding more pleasure to your life. That's taking away. That's not what we're all about over here. We're looking at things you can incorporate that you love just as much or maybe even more because that is when you are going to start creating habit change because you're feeling naturally gravitated towards this behavior, this food, blah, 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 that makes you feel good. Whew. All right. And lastly, but not least, we focus on what you get to have rather than what you don't. Suffering to heal doesn't make sense. I want to inspire you to reclaim your health in a way that's sustainable, natural, and fun. All right, you guys, have a wonderful rest of your night, day, and talk to you soon. Ooh, okay, you guys, that, that was a juicy one. That was I was going to say that's a yummy one. If you guys listened to the episode with Emma Garrison, her her word is yummy. She like uses that to describe everything. And I just think that's perfect for this episode because we're talking about sugar and sugar is yummy. So what a freaking yummy episode. I love you guys. I hope you learned something. Reach out to me on Instagram, email, whatever. Let me know what the most interesting part of this episode was. Like what's something that you either didn't know about or you kind of knew and it really, really sunk in for you. Love you all. Keeping you, keeping freaking awesome. See you next time.